come by means to a powerful obsession to be by what one spouse, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, May 13th, 2017, marks an important day in the history of the Church, especially the Church in these modern times, as it marks the 100th anniversary of the first appearance of the Blessed Virgin Mary at the Vatican of Portugal. And to mark the importance of this day, Pope Francis is at Vatican today, where he will not only celebrate this feast on this anniversary, but he will also canonize the two of the three Vatican seers as saints, Jacinta and Francisco Marco, brother and sister. They will be the youngest saints ever canonized in the history of the Church. And the Vatican announced that soon the third seer, Lucia, will be beatified, and hopefully one day she will be a canonized saint as well. Why did Our Lady appear at Vatican? Why have all the modern popes made pilgrimages to Fatima, some even multiple times, like St. John Paul II? Well, the answer simply is because the world needs, desperately needs to follow the Fatima message. And what is that message of Fatima that Our Lady exhorts us to follow? Well, as numerous popes have taught, that Fatima message is really nothing other than the gospel message, ever ancient, ever new, to pray and make sacrifices so that sinners may repent and save their souls. At Fatima, Our Lady asks us especially to pray the rosary. I like to tell people all the time that it's a command from God pray the rosary every day, because he sent Our Lady to Fatima to tell us this message. The Fatima message begins, actually, before Our Lady's first appearance on May 13th, 1917. The year before, in the spring of 1916, the guardian angel of Portugal appeared to the children to prepare them for the coming of the Blessed Virgin and to cultivate in their hearts a knowledge of the need for sacrifices to make reparation for sins, and especially uh, for Eucharistic reparation. In the spring of 1916, the angel appeared to the children, the three little shepherd children, Jacinta, Francisco, and Lucia, who were six, seven, and nine years old, respectively. He appeared to them in a cave and bowing down to the ground with his forehead, the angel taught them this prayer of reparation. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I ask pardon for all those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. And after saying this three times, the angel said, Pray thus, the hearts of Jesus and Mary are attentive to the voice of your supplications. Here we see right from the beginning the hearts of Jesus and Mary play an important role in the Fatima message. In the summer of that year, the angel appeared to them again while they were playing near a well in town. And he really chastised them for not using their time well, not taking seriously the words he had spoken to them earlier that spring. He said, what are you doing? Pray. Pray very much. The hearts of Jesus and Mary have designs of mercy on you. Offer prayers and sacrifices constantly 
to the Most High. And Lucia asked the angel, well, how are we to make sacrifices? And the angel replied, make everything you do a sacrifice and offer it to God as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. Thus, you will draw down peace upon your country. Above all, accept and bear with submission the suffering which the Lord will send you. In other words, whatever crosses God gives you, accept them. In the fall of 1916, the angel appeared again in the hallow of a hill, and he held in his hands a chalice with a host above it, from which drops of blood dropped down into the chalice. The angel then left the chalice and the host suspended in the air, and he knelt down and told the children to kneel down with him, and he repeated this prayer three times. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifference with which he himself is offended. And through the infinite merits of his sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of you the conversion of poor sinners. In this third and final apparition, we learn that Jesus is offended by sins, sacrileges, and indifferences for his body and blood in the Eucharist. We learn that reparation to Jesus himself and to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for these offenses should be offered through reception, receiving the Holy Eucharist. And third, that Reparation for these sins and obtaining grace for conversion of sinners is accomplished through the merits of the hearts of Jesus and Mary. In fact, this third apparition of the angel may be viewed as a communion of reparation offered through the hearts of Jesus and Mary because the angel then gave the little children Holy Communion. If we take these three angelic appearances, spring, fall, summer of 1916 uh, as a whole we see that from the very onset of the Fatima message in what may be called the preparatory revelations for the coming of Our Lady the hearts of Jesus and Mary take a central place with a call for reparation and conversion being made through their hearts. Well now we move to Our Lady's appearances May 13, 1917, at the Covaneria, a large natural hallow in the ground outside the village of Fatima, Our Lady appeared six times, once a month from May to October, to the three little shepherd children. And each time, Mary exhorted them to pray the rosary daily to convert sinners and obtain peace, and to make sacrifices for that same purpose, and in reparation for sins committed against our Lord and her immaculate heart. The revelations of July 13, 1917 are especially important. They relate to what's known as the secret of Fatima, consisting of three parts. The first part was the vision of hell, which in the words of Sister Lucia, portrayed demons and souls in human form plunged in a great sea of fire 
amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which made them tremble with fear. The vision of hell was immediately preceded by these words of Our Lady, sacrifice yourselves for sinners. Say many times, especially when you make some sacrifice, O oh Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In the second part of the secret, Our Lady promised that peace would come through devotion to her Immaculate Heart, that God would punish the world if people did not repent from their sins, and that a worse war than the current war that was raging, World War I, would follow, as well as persecutions of the Church and the Holy Father. The second part of the secret included a promise by Our Lady to come at a later date and ask for a communion of reparation on first Saturdays of each month to convert Russia and bring peace. She also promised that the Holy Father would one day consecrate Russia to her heart and that her immaculate heart would triumph. The second part of the secret is worth quoting in full. I'll quote it right now. These are the words of Our Lady. You have seen hell where poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. This war, World War I, is going to end. But if people do not cease offending God, a worse war will break out during the pontificate of Pope Pius XI. When you see a knight illumined by an unknown light, know that this is a great sign given you that God is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, persecutions of the Church, and the Holy Father. To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars, persecutions of the Church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me. She shall be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. Just a little commentary on these words of Our Lady, well, people didn't follow her message. And in January of 1938, before World War II began, the night sky throughout Europe was lit up by a blood-red light. This was the sign Sister Lucia saw from her convent. She was a nun at that time. And um, the, the prediction about Russia spreading her errors throughout the world, but we know that came true as well. After the Russian Revolution, Russia spread the errors of communism throughout the world. How could three little children have known this? As Sister Lucy relates in her memoirs that they didn't know what Russia was. They thought it was an evil woman in their innocence. Well, the third part of the secret, which was kept secret until the year 2000, and then revealed by Pope John Paul II, it was apparently fulfilled, in part, with the attempted assassination 
of Pope John Paul II on this date, May 13, 1981, by Aliaga. And as described by Sister Lucia, the, the third part of the sequence took place in scenes. In one scene, Lucia says, Our Lady appeared along with the angel a little above her, with the angel having a flaming sword in his hand. The angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance! 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 In another scene, the children saw priests and religious making their way to the top of a steep mountain. And on top was a big cross. They saw a bishop dressed in white, whom they understood to be the Pope, though they didn't know which Pope. And he passed through a city, half in ruins, and Afflicted with pain and sorrow, he prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on the way. When he reached the top of the mountain, he knelt down at the foot of the big cross. Then he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. Others were killed in the same way. It seems that this prophecy was fulfilled with the assassination attempt of John Paul II. The bullet that passed through Pope's chest was moving through soft tissue directly to his heart. This is what the doctors tell us. And then it mirrored his path to miss his heart. And John Paul II later said that it was a mother's hand that guided the bullet's path, which made the Pope halt at the throes of death, which John Paul says only shows once more that there is not immutable destiny that faith and prayer are forces which can influence history. And in the end, prayer is more powerful than bullets, and faith more powerful than armies. Yes. Well, in the apparition of September 3rd, 1917, Our Lady told the children to continue to pray the rosary in order to end the war and bring peace. And she promised, in October, I will perform a miracle so that all may believe. And in the apparitions of October 13, 1917, Mary identified herself in these words, I am the Lady of the Rosary. And then she said, continue to pray the Rosary every day. Do not offend the Lord, our God, anymore, because he is already so much offended. At these statements, Lucia says that she, Jacinta, and Francisco saw a series of visions. First they saw the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Then they saw Our Lady as Our Lady of Sorrows. Then they saw Our Lady as Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And it was during these visions that they were seeing that the 70 to 80,000 people gathered there saw the miracle of the sun. For 12 minutes, the sun danced in the sky, shot forth colors, zigzagged across the sky, and then plunged toward Earth. People thought the world was going to end. And all of a sudden, the sun was back at its normal spot. Even the atheists and the Freemasons who came to mock what was going on couldn't deny what they saw. In fact, it had been raining the whole morning. There were puddles all over. After the miracle of the sun, everything was bone dry. They had to report this. They couldn't lie. Recall that in the apparition of July 13, 1917, Our Lady said that she would later come to ask for the consecration of Russia, to her Immaculate Heart and communion of reparation on first Saturdays. Well, this promise was fulfilled later. Jacinta and Francisco died, influenza, shortly afterwards. But 
Lucia became a religious sister. And on December 10th, 1925, Our Lady appeared to Lucia, and she was a Dorothean nun at the time in Pontevedra, Spain. Mary appeared with the infant Jesus on a cloud, and she showed Sister Lucia her immaculate heart. It was surrounded with thorns, which she held in her hand, and she asked for reparation for sins which afflict her heart. She made this promise. Look, my daughter, at my heart, surrounded with thorns with which ungrateful men pierce at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You, at least, try to console me, and I promise to assist at the hour of death with all the graces necessary for salvation all those who, on the first Saturday of five consecutive months, confess their sins, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the Rosary, and keep me company for another 15 minutes while meditating on the mysteries of the Rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. These words reveal that in some mysterious way we're able to console, repair, injuries to the heart of Our Lady, we perform them with this intention. We confess our sins, receive Holy Communion, pray the Rosary, meditate upon the 15 mysteries on the first Saturdays of every month. On June 13, 1925, the apparition concerning the consecration of Russia to Mary's Immaculate Heart took place while Lucia was living in a convent in Troy, Spain. Lucia had a vision while at prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. And Our Lady spoke to Lucia and said, the moment has come when God asks Pope, Holy Father, in union with all the bishops of the world to make the consecration of Russia to my immaculate heart, promising to save it by this means. There are so many souls whom the justice of God condemns for sins committed against me that I have come to ask reparation, sacrifice yourself for this intention, and pray. These words indicate that the consecration of Russia and its conversion in order to bring world peace is tied to reparation for sins and the conversion of sinners. Well, that consecration was never carried out in the province of God for some reason. Popes made various consecrations throughout the years, but on March 25, 1984, Pope John Paul II, in union with the bishops throughout the world, consecrated the world and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And some say that because the Pope did not mention Russia explicitly, the consecration was not carried out properly. But Sister Lucia, when asked about this, said no, our Lady communicated to her that the consecration satisfied the requests of Our Lady. But here are some other important facts which show what happened in the wake of that consecration by John Paul II, March 25th, 1984. We go back to 1930. In a letter which Sister Lucia wrote to her spiritual director, Father Gonsalves, she makes clear that the messages by Our Lady, both regarding the five first Saturdays and the consecration of Russia, should be interpreted together. And basically that um, 
Our Lady told, communicated to Sister Lucia that after the Pope consecrated Russia, the persecutions in that country, the religious persecutions, would cease. But that the conversion of the Russian people to the Catholic faith, the Orthodox, remember, to unite them under the Pope, would come about through the first Saturday communions of reparation to Mary's Immaculate Heart. That's very appropriate, that the total conversion of Russia would come about both through the, the consecration of Russia by the Pope and the bishops in union with him, that's the church's hierarchy, but then the rest of the mystical body of Christ, the members, that is us, would participate in the conversion of Russia to the Catholic faith through our communions on First Saturday in reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And that promise of Our Lady about First Saturdays applies to ourselves. Yes, she promises salvation for those who receive Holy Communion on five First Saturdays, but also it has a more universal aspect to convert Russia and convert the world. The world needs converting. I think we all know that by now. The continuing relevancy of the family message is shown by the events in the wake of that March 25th, 1984 consecration. In an interview with Sister Lucia on October 14, 1993, by a Portuguese journalist named Carlos Aristo, Sister Lucia made this remarkable statement. The consecration of 1984 has prevented a nuclear war which have, would have occurred in 1985. You see, in the early 1980s, there was a mounting tension between the USSR and the West prompted by President Reagan's military buildup, culminating in the 1983 European Missile Crisis. Those who are older would remember this. I remember it well. At that time, the Soviets, records have been discovered now, which reveal that the Soviets were seriously contemplating a preemptive nuclear strike in Western Europe to forego the economic collapse of their empire. What was it that caused Moscow, within a few months, to abandon this plan? Well, an Italian journalist, Antonio Sochi, tells the story, and I quote him. One of the facts that might have determined this decision by the Soviets was the accident, in quotation marks, which took out the service of the Soviet military potential. This accident is the explosion of the Severomosk arsenal located on the North Sea. Without that missile facility, which was directed towards the Atlantic Ocean, the Soviet Union didn't have any hope of victory. For this reason, the military operation was canceled. See, that whole arsenal was destroyed by a mass explosion. They don't know what happened. Well, we can say it was probably Our Lady's hand. Antonio Sochi goes on to say, that event occurred only two months after the consecration by the Pope. But it was the May 13, 1984 anniversary and feast of Our Lady that counts because that's the day this explosion at the military arsenal took place, May 13, 1984. Well, at that point, the Soviet Union was forced to find 
another way. And a few months after consecration, Mikhail Gorbachev was called to power in Moscow. This was the eventual unraveling of the Soviet communist system. In the same article, Sochi refers to secret documents from Great Britain's archives that had just been revealed. This was a few years back. One can read about the Soviet plan to attack Great Britain that involved the assassination of Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher because she could have authorized a nuclear attack in response against the Soviet Union. Antonio Sochi stresses that every single date that marks the collapse of communism is linked with the Marian date, a sign of Mary, her triumph, and her immaculate heart, as she told the Fatima. Here are some dates. December 8, 1987, the Feast of Mary's Immaculate Conception. Gorbachev signed with President Reagan the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, which led to the removal of the, the missiles in Europe, making the risk of nuclear apocalypse much more remote. Exactly four years later, December 8, 1991, the Soviet Union was officially liquidated. The flag, the red flag, the hammer and sickle, was lowered from the Kremlin. And that occurred on December 25th, 1991, the birth of our Lord. Of course, these events don't mark the final triumph of Mary's immaculate heart. That will come, as she said, with the conversion of Russia. But we cannot doubt that this marks a partial triumph. The continuing relevancy of Fatima. More recent statements by both Sister Lucia and the members of the church hierarchy make evident the ongoing relevancy of this message. And the fact that the promised triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart is a process that continues to unfold. In an interview with Ricardo Cardinal Vidal of the Philippines on October 11, 1993, Sister Lucia said this, all the wars which have occurred could have been avoided through prayer and sacrifice. This is the reason Our Lady asked for the communion of reparation and the consecration. See, those two things go together. She added, people expect things to happen immediately within their own lifetime, but Fatima is still in its third day. The triumph is an ongoing process. Then, repeating herself, she said, Fatima is still in its third day. We are now in the post-consecration period. The first day was the apparition period, back in 1917. We are now in the post-consecration period. The first day was the apparition period. The second was the post-apparition, pre-consecration period. The Fatima week has not ended. I may not get to see the whole week, said Sister Lucia. Since I may not live to see it. Fatima has just begun, she said. The rosary, which is the most important spiritual weapon we have in these times, when the devil is so active, should be recited. We see that, according to Sister Lucia, the first day of the Fatima week was the period from 1916 to 1929. The second, from 1929 to 1984, the consecration. The third day is 1984 to the time Lucia spoke these words, 1993. Well, 
in Brazil on May 13, 2007, Pope Benedict XVI said this, Today is the 90th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady at Fatima. With their powerful call to conversion and penance, they are without doubt the most prophetic of all modern apparitions. And on his apostolic visit to Fatima on May 13th, pardon me, on May 11th, 2010, Pope Benedict, in an interview with journalists during the flight to Portugal, was asked this, Your Holiness, what meaning do the Fatima apparitions have for us today? To which Pope Benedict responded, the important thing is that the message, the response of Fatima, in substance, is not directed to particular devotions, but precisely to the fundamental response, that is, to ongoing conversion, penance, prayer, and the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. We see here the true fundamental response which the Church must give every one of us to this situation. And on day 12 of that same year, in his address at the Chapel of Apparitions at Fatima, Pope Benedict warned that in our time, the faith, in many places, seems like a light in danger of being snuffed out forever. The next day in his homily, on May 13th, he stressed, we would be mistaken to think that the Fatima message is complete. I'll end here with one more item. It's a letter written to Cardinal Carlo Cafara, the Archbishop of Bologna, by Sister Lucia before she died. In that letter, she said these words. The final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage and the family. Don't be afraid, because anyone who works for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be fought and opposed in every way because this is the decisive issue. However, Our Lady has already crushed its head. Yes, the family is the decisive issue because this is the fundamental cell of society, the good of people, the common good. In the first announcement of a savior in Genesis 3.15, God revealed to us that Mary, the humble handmaid of the Lord, would crush Satan's proud head. And at Fatima, Our Lady promised that in the end, her immaculate heart would triumph. Let us be faithful children of Mary. Let us pray that rosary daily, offer up our daily duties in the spirit of sacrifice and reparation for sins. And let us be sure to receive Holy Communion on the first Saturday of every month in reparation for sins which offend Mary's immaculate heart so that in, in the end, we may join her in the triumph of her immaculate heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.